Hello and welcome to another episode or another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. I guess you can call them episodes, moments. It's been a minute since uh, I wanted to talk to you all about some stuff. It's just been kind of been observing some things, but also been just kind of taking a break. And I really wanted to just try to talk in a sense of, you know, observing some things and um, and just being able to put it into perspective, right? So today, I wanted to talk a little bit about hypocrisy, which is nothing new with the Republicans here in in American politics, especially um, at the level at the United States Congress. As I'm recording this, um, today will be a day that the um, U.S. House of Representatives will formally vote to take the impeachment inquiry to another level to actually start having public hearings. What has been happening up until this point is that the the House under Nancy Pelosi's leadership has, has done grand jury work, meaning that they've actually been doing the investigating and the questions that need to be asked to determine um, should there even be an indictment, should there even be an impeachment in this case, right? And a lot of the Republicans have been upset about it at least to the point where they're going out and trying to misinform the public. And it seems to be working with their base. Um, The majority of Americans are not buying that, according to polls. But a significant number of Americans, although they are not believers that President Trump has done nothing wrong, some of their angst is the pragmatics, you know, how close we are to the election next year, what kind of instability we would have in the United States um, if he should be removed, all those kind of things. And the Republicans have really done an incredible job of creating that kind of angst and fear. But it's been based totally on lies and hypocrisies. If they were generating those kind of concerns with the facts, not their version of the facts, the facts, right? Then we wouldn't be, I don't think we'd be as far along. I don't, 
I, I don't think this president would have made it this far to do something that would put him in a situation where now he's going to be impeached because he would have been pushed out a while back once people really saw what he was up to, right? But, nevertheless, here we are. And so, why I'm saying that this is an hypocrisy, it comes down to this. The Republicans have been trying to paint a picture, especially Matt, Matt Getz and... Um, Steve Scalise. Now, Matt Getz, you know, is the guy who um, is one of the DUI congressmen. Um, he was able to avoid a serious DUI charge and later got elected to probably one of the most Republican districts in America, the first congressional district in Florida, which is literally right under Alabama, right? And so, um, and Getz is like cheerleader number one. I mean, he was with President Trump at the Washington Nationals World Series game in which they all got booed once, well, at least the president got booed once they announced that he was there. Um, and of course, Matt Getz, being a true believer, was like, yeah, they were supporting our veterans, so don't think they'd be booing veterans. Nonetheless, um, Matt Scalise, Scalise is the one from Louisiana that shot. Remember, there was a congressional, they have an annual congressional baseball game, Democrats versus Republicans, and some guy um, decided he wanted to take out the Republicans while they were practicing. Um, he didn't kill anybody, but he did seriously wound Steve Scalise to the point where people thought he wasn't going to make it. Um, and after about a month, in the hospital, he survived. He walks with a cane now. Um, but that doesn't change, it didn't change his politics at all, right? And you notice I told backstories about these guys because I want people to understand that part of the hypocrisy with Republicans is that they claim to be God-fearing Christians. They claim to be people who embrace an individual who walked this earth, who was the embodiment of love. And although he was the personification of the law, as he self-described it, he also had a level of tolerance and a level of compassion and uh, and even humility that hopefully we would emulate right 
but um, not these guys. And so for the experiences, because Mike gets his experience with the DUI, it's not just he got caught. He was in a wreck, which meant he could have died. And, of course, we just talked about Representative Scalise and his near-death experience. And yet, these guys, and and I encountered somebody like that face-to-face when I was in the Mississippi legislature. These guys that have these near-death experiences that claim to be Republicans, that claim to be God-fearing Christians as well, it doesn't seem, their politics is more important than their religious philosophy their politics dictates their political philosophy dictates their life more so than their religious philosophy does and so these people have no compassion they have no um, real compass and I highlight those two guys is because in the midst of the Republicans trying to say that they were uh, wanted an open process, right? Knowing full well that there were members of their party in the hearings asking questions of the same witnesses that the Democrats had called in, right? It was not just Democrats in the hearings. There were Republican congressmen asking questions in the hearings. Because those congressmen are members of the committees, they could not go out and tell, good or bad, what went on in the meeting. The only thing that was leaked out to the media was the witnesses' opening statements. That seemed to be kind of a unwritten agreement that those statements would be leaked out so the press will kind of give the general public an idea of what that person is thinking or what they intended on doing. But the only thing you could get out of the Republicans that were actually in a meeting was yeah, there's there's no there there. It's even some that have said the president may have done something wrong, but we shouldn't impeach him. I can deal with that argument. I don't agree with it, but I can deal with that argument better than nothing happened. Right? So anyway, and the House is doing something because there wasn't a special prosecutor brought in for that. Remember, Mueller's job was over with. He dealt with Russia's involvement with the elections. That was what his special investigation was about. This whole thing with the Ukraine literally happened the day after Mother testified. So no special prosecutor was designated because that would mean the Attorney General would have to do that, and since the Attorney General is not the Attorney General of the United States, but the personal 
the other personal attorney of Donald Trump, no special prosecutor was come forthcoming, so therefore Congress used their power to investigate. Right? So because of that, um, this is the reason why it's been closed door. So Getz and Scalise and Scalise and about two dozen other Republican dudes and ladies decide they're going to crash the meeting. Right? And that they're going to uh, they're just going to walk in with their cell phones and record what's going on. Now, I don't know how the Capitol Police really, really operates. I don't know what real function the Sergeant-at-Arms has for the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress. But I do know that I had a similar situation when I was the Sergeant-at-Arms for the Mississippi State Senate. We had a chairman of a committee who did not want to deal with these a college board appointments because the governor, who was our first Republican governor since Reconstruction, had appointed four white men to serve on the college board. And the chairman of the committee was an African-American male. As a matter of fact, he was one of my college professors at Jackson State. And uh, rather than have the hearing and go through the process, he just didn't want to call a meeting. So committee members showed up for a scheduled meeting, and the chair was in his office, and um, the Republican members were getting a little hostile, and so I was asked, as the sergeant arms, to go down and to stand guard at the chairman's door. So, you know, some Republicans were like, well, we want to talk to the chairman, blah, blah. And, of course, I had to tell them no. And, of course, they once they saw me, then that was their time because they really wanted to. Before I got there, they could have slipped in. The door was locked. But, nonetheless, I was there. And so one senator decided they want, he wanted to grandstand and make a big deal about it. And, you know, and I... Basically just stood there and told him, no, I was like the straight man for his routine, right? And that picture went before we had viral back then. So, But the picture was like a AP picture and uh, it actually made the front page of a newspaper, a local newspaper in Mississippi, which the press at the Capitol had a lot of fun with. But I, but I tell that story because it's like no matter how much grandstanding those Republicans wanted to do, they were not allowed to disrupt whatever was going on in the chairman's office. Now, the legend has it he was praying. I don't know. My job was whatever he was doing, he was not to be disturbed. Right? So it seems to me that the U.S. House of Representatives 
would have had somebody standing at the door and telling these congressmen, you can't come in. You're not a member of the committee. You you can't have access. But these folks bogarted their way in anyway. Right? And, um, and then they even... I think Getz went back by himself and stood outside and had a press conference while they were having a hearing inside. Well, now the hypocrisy is about to happen in full force for the American people to see. And I want people to pay close attention. Because the Republicans kept saying, oh, well, we need an open process. We need an open process. Never mind the fact that that's a lie in sense of where we are in the, you know, the nation is in this inquiry phase. And that members of their own party actually was in the room allowed to ask questions. Well, we need to be open. So the Speaker of the House earlier this week scheduled a vote for as of this recording this podcast today to open the process the the resolution went through the rules committee and you already saw the hypocrisy brewing um, the lady from Arizona let's go well it's not enough what exactly do you want? Because whatever you really are asking for is getting ready to happen when the articles of impeachment are actually voted on and the trial happens in the Senate. What you really want to happen is going to happen. But not now. <laughs> now is those star witnesses who have come before the committees, who are still coming before the committees, even as this vote is getting ready to take place, um, they will come back and they will be allowed to basically restate their stories before it's been in, in public record. And, uh, and then once that happens, then the Judiciary Committee is going to make a recommendation. And they're going to make a recommendation for an article of impeachment. They already are drafting that as we go. But I would like for you all to pay attention and see how Getz and Scalise votes. I wish I knew the other 24 Congress people who participated in that stunt. But I just want you to watch the vote. I just want you to watch the vote. Because if every Republican votes against the impeachment inquiry, then opening the process then every Republican in the United States Congress has lied to you for a month 
to your face. And you need to understand that. I mean, we can quibble, you can talk about all this stuff in the past, and if if all the Republicans vote against opening the process after for a month they have been saying, even staging party-crashing events, if they say, if they have the audacity to vote no, then you know that they're liars and hypocrites. And they are not to be trusted with your vote in 2020. Period. If you can't get everything you want, then you're going to vote against the process that you wanted because you wanted it to be open and it's getting ready to be open. And people can see y'all do y'all think. But the reality is they don't want the process open. They don't want the process at all. They can't argue on the facts because the facts look pretty bad. So they wanted to argue about the process. Now that the process is about to be modified, what are the arguments do they have? Just tell the truth. We're Republicans. This is a Republican president. No matter what he says or does, we're with him. think you would come out a little better people can make a more informed choice but to just flat out lie be hypocrites it's really time out for that and um, I just hope that people take the time make the time to make a change on the first Tuesday of November 2020 and we know people like Getz and Scalise are in districts where yeah they'll be back reality but it's it's time to change it for at least the next two years to be Democratic president, Democratic Senate to catch up with the and a, and the Democratic House that has a bigger majority. I think it's time. I wish we could get a Democratic Senate that had a filibuster-proof majority, but I don't think the numbers are there for that. But the Washington Nationals won a World Series without winning a game at home, so anything is possible. With that, I'll catch you on the other side. And so we're back. 
So an incident took place at a school called Benedict College. It's a historically black college in South Carolina. Where the President of the United States, Donald Trump, was to get an award and to be part of a discussion dealing with criminal justice reform. And so, you know there's going to be protesters, you know there's going to be people in cool, but it's a sitting president of the United States coming to a historical black college to talk about an issue that is very important in the African-American community, the reform of the criminal justice system as we know it. Where we have seen how that system has dramatically altered the landscape of the black community. So for a sitting president, especially one who has been considered at the very least a firebrand for racial demagoguery, catalyst, if you will, for him to say, I'm going to show up. Okay. Now. And, and I'm going to get into how I feel about that. From the black college perspective. But. Really. What we are finding out is that the college opened the door for this organization to have the forum. And this organization took it upon itself to invite the president without exactly clearing that with the college. Okay? Because this group is obviously a conservative group. Their mindset especially on criminal justice reform, and so they just were pretty sneaky about it. Um, so anyway, they invite the president. And once the college realizes that the president is coming and the community is aware, because this is like Columbia, South Carolina, course demonstrations are being organized so the college took an unusual step and uh, they said that we are going to lock the campus down basically from noon to like 4 p.m. And that's on the Eastern time zone. But we're going we're gonna to lock the campus down. Those students should be out of their dorms. No classes will be held. The president will just come and do his thing. And they actually hand-selected 10 students to participate. The other 200 
people that were supposed to attend were picked either by the organization or by the president's people to basically just come on their campus and have a forum and the student body that attends the school can't participate except for that select handful of them. And I still didn't understand what the criteria was for those particular students. So the president did his thing and all that. And so students were took to social media and were saying that they were not safe and that they felt that, you know, this was a restriction of their 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 rights. Um, you know, you're trying to curtail free speech and freedom of expression, freedom to assemble. You know, everything that's covered under First Amendment, right? Now, meanwhile, outside of the campus, demonstrations happened. And so some of the students left their dormitories before the cutoff time to participate in the demonstrations off the campus. And then after 4 o'clock, they came back. Me, you got a half day off of school. What are you going to do? So... That happened. Not too long after that, you heard me mention in a previous section segment that um, the president attended a World Series game. Now, here's the craziest thing. For the first time in 86 years, the World Series was in Washington, D.C. They actually played three games. Not one time did the President of the United States throw out the first pitch. Not because the Nationals snubbed him, snubbed him. It's because he didn't want to. And there are archive pictures of him throwing the first pitch. It looks like it was at Fenway Park. And if you see those pictures, you understand probably why he was reluctant to do that. But it's like, you're the President of the United States. You're going to show up at the game. Throw the first pitch. Don't be a dick about that. But he was. He had three nights in a row. And he came the last night deliberately after first pitch. Right. So, when he did show up, the uh, PA announcer for the stadium recognized that he was there. And they put his picture up on the Jumbotron. The reaction of the Nationals fans. Now, let me give you some background on that, right? Because... Of course, D.C. votes. D.C. is not a state. It's a territory of the United States. It is the federal district. So they don't have individual state rights, but they do have three electoral college votes that count toward the president being elected. That was a concession that's been made over time. And they have a delegate that sits in Congress, that delegate has no voting power, but that delegate can sit in and 
represent the district, especially in matters dealing with D.C. affairs. In the last presidential election, Donald Trump got 4% of the vote. It's because D.C. is primarily the city itself, the district itself, is predominantly African-American. Like, it used to be nicknamed Chocolate City when I was growing up, right? And that's historical because most of the people who ended up working for the people in power in Washington were black folk. And so they couldn't afford to live out in the suburbs at that time, so they all settled close to their jobs in D.C. So, 96% of the vote went to Hillary Clinton. So, the Republicans naturally were saying, well, of course they're going to boo. He, you know, he only got 4%. So now let's look at the makeup of Washington Nationals baseball fans. If you know anything about baseball in the United States, you know that minority participation as far as African Americans are concerned. Not as big as it was, say, 30 years ago, right? You still have African Americans that play a significant role, but not as many. Because most of the players that look like African Americans are really Latino players. And they're not natives of America. They're from various countries around the world. Especially Central America, the Caribbean. Nonetheless, the majority of the demographics of baseball fans are not African-American at all. Very few attend. So you have people from Maryland suburbs, you have people from Virginia suburbs primarily that go to the Nationals games, basically is what I'm saying. You probably have a better attendance of African-Americans that go to Redskins football games it's a whole other topic for another day. And which some people say the Washington Club in the National Football League. Um, then you have Nationals games. That, you know, as far as attendance. So what happened once the president was seen was that the crowd started booing him vociferously. And not only did they boo him, but some people started yelling the chant, lock him up. Now the booing didn't really mess with the sensibilities of certain people the term lock him up did. Now never mind that Donald Trump during all his campaigning, even at the Republican National Convention was saying lock her up referring to Hillary. Right? 
And now you can interpose that with Nancy Pelosi, whoever, when it comes to Kamala Harris, AOC, when it comes to Trump supporters now. But when they were running against Hillary, that was like the chant, lock her up. Right? And people were offended by that because it's like, you know, we don't do that in America as far as political prisoners go, whatever. You know, lock your opponents up. But I think that considering that we're in the middle of an impeachment inquiry, where we're actually talking about removing a president for doing something that was called a high crime or a misdemeanor, and then once that president is no longer president, there are several indictments waiting on him or possible indictments waiting on him just in his hometown, his home state, let alone whatever federal stuff's going on. And the only reason why he's not being locked up or indicted at this point is because there is a Department of Justice policy, which we have stated before, it's not law, it's not constitutional, it's policy that the Department of Justice will not indict a sitting president, which is what Robert Mueller made clear, which is why he didn't have the fangs that everybody thought he would have, because he honored that policy. He's a former FBI director. What did you think? Right? Nonetheless. So people were upset about saying lock him up. And they were being critical. And, and oh, you just don't do that. All oh, the whole world was watching. So let me, let me break this down to you, you, you sensitive people. The whole world needed to see that. They needed to see that the buffoonery that they read about in their international papers or on the internet or on their television sets is not embraced by the American people wholeheartedly. Now they may have read it, but to actually see it may have made people feel, well, America hasn't totally lost its mind. That it happened at the World Series where people all over the globe pay attention. These American people are very, very interesting. He wins the election, but now he's being booed at a major event. But since so all these things we've been hearing about and reading about has transpired over these years, obviously they're true. And I reminded them that, you know, in the Declaration of Independence that governments exist based on our consent. And based on the reaction that those Nationals fans had by seeing Donald Trump is that he doesn't have as much consent as he used to have. 
So y'all need to get over that. You don't admonish the American people for expressing their opinion about a president that has been devastating to them and doesn't care about the Constitution at all, let alone the respect of the office. See, the people that supported Donald Trump felt that Barack Obama was disrespectful to the office just based because he was black. But now people are starting to see this is what disrespect of the office looks like. The whole term, even day after the inauguration with Donald Trump. But we reward people. Sean Spicer lied to the American people and said, he, uh, biggest inauguration ever. And his reward is now he's being treated like a quote-unquote D-list celebrity dancing with the stars. Whatever. Truth of the matter is those people who are critical of those national fans need to remember where we are. And it also ties in with the Benedict College students. The administration that made the decision that these students should be locked in. If there's going to be any demonstration, it's going to be off their campus. Right? The students were not to engage with the President of the United States being on their campus. Don't don't be a charlatan when it comes to the rights of Americans. Don't sit there and have an institution that was built primarily to give black people freedom and try to restrict their rights to defend their freedom. Don't admonish people, citizens, who when they see the leader of their country in their presence, they express to them express to that president exactly how they feel. Don't you dare admonish them for that. They have every, just like you have a right to be on a TV show, or you have a right to have a Twitter account. They have a right to look their president, their leader, the person that got their votes. Because some of those folks probably voted for him. Reality kept in that crowd. There were some people that voted for him. But what you heard was their displeasure with his leadership. What Trump supporters were saying was based off theory, which his own Justice Department, those charges were unfounded. They had the Department of State. Nothing illegal was done here. But we've had a case building on this president since he's been in office. So when you say lock her up, it was p- political grandstanding. When you say lock him up, it's basically because of the facts that have been presented. 
Is that extreme for people to say? Yeah. But look at where we are. If we don't feel that at a black college it's safe for black people to tell the president how they feel. If we are at a public event and the president shows up and it's not an event that he created, it's an event he showed up at, and the people there tell him how they really feel about him, and we're not, and people are criticizing them for doing that, then that sorry SOB has won. The Republicans have won. The alt-right has won. Because y'all scared. <laughs> y'all scared to call these folks what they are. Y'all scared to treat these folks the way they need to be treated. Hey, you shouldn't criticize them. They're at a restaurant and blah, blah, this, other. These folks intimidate voters who are trying to vote them out on election day. They pass out flyers. They stand in lines and try to disqualify voters. Sheriffs go knocking on people's doors, questioning should they be voting, actually arresting people. just to make sure that they get reelected. But we're supposed to stay in our dorm room. We're supposed to stay in our homes while the emperor marches down the street. Our street. The emperor shows up at our sporting event and we are supposed to be quiet or show false appreciation for his leadership, his dictatorship, his cruelty, his brutality, his insubordination, his obfuscation. You got me all screwed up. <laughs> And I really stepped away so I could kind of tone down my language. But I ain't really what I want to say. Because you know how what we say out here in the community. You got me, you got me screwed up. I'm not that dude. I've been booing too. Being a former student leader, I've been right there at that thing. You couldn't tell me I couldn't come to something. I paid tuition to be here but I can't show up at an event that's on my campus with the president of the country that I live in. I'll tell this story and then I'll close out. I used to work for Piney Woods Country Life School. And um, I was a dorm parent so I lived on the campus, and I was, it was a boarding school, one of the oldest black boarding schools in America. And I was also a teacher, a social studies teacher for elementary school there. 
And so, of course, we have Black History Month. And so, one particular chapel service on Sunday, guys were a little lackadaisical singing, lift every voice and sing, which is referred to as the Negro or Black National Anthem. So, you know, people were, some of the other guys were a little upset. So I basically told the guys, y'all hold up for a minute before we go to lunch. I need y'all to sing this song. And maybe you didn't want to sing it because you don't understand what it means. So I basically told them the history of the song, right? James Will Johnson, his brother, all that. So they sang the song, we went to lunch. And so the administrators were kind of happy I kind of took that step and did that. Fast forward a couple of months to the annual Founders Day board meeting, convocation, whatever you want to call it, big deal on campus. And so you have all these people who sit on the board, including Kathy Hughes, who's over News One, because her granddaddy actually started the school, and you know President Kroger, all these corporate people. So you're having this event at this black school, and I noticed there was a glaring omission in the program. Lift Every Voice and Sing was not on the program. So I went to the administration afterwards and I just asked the question, why did we not sing that song? Well, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, cater to people's sensibilities and blah, blah, blah. So these people that serve on this board didn't realize this is a black school when they signed up for it. All these people that write checks don't understand that this is a black school where 100% of the kids either go to college or go to the military, 96% actually go to the college. With scholarships. They didn't understand that. And I said, look, you want to admonish these kids for not singing the song during Black History Month, but in front of these white folks, you ashamed to sing it? Here's what I suggest you do from this point forward. Don't ever leave that song out the program. Ever again. Ever again. Because I'm not going to work here all the time, but I'm probably going to get money. Not that I have a whole lot to give, but I don't think I want to deal with Black folks who are scared of white people. I don't know if I want to promote that agenda. I don't think I want to be around people who are charlatans toward our rights, our struggle, and our pride. Right? And so, based on that conversation, the next 
quote-unquote assembly, an apology was given for that. Which means that my concern was acknowledged and from that point forward, as far as I know, I haven't really been following what they do. Yeah, I, I still give a little. <laughs> a little change. Um, but that wasn't an issue again. So I say that to say this. Black people have a right to confront their president. American citizens have a right to confront their president. As long as they were not being violent toward him, as long as they were not being violent toward members of his family, they have a right to gather and express and speak. It is the very First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. It is considered the most important and most sacred right of an American citizen, considering that the majority of the world doesn't have it. Do not restrict it. Do not criticize it. Deal with it. If you don't want the criticism, if you don't, if you don't want to be put in a situation where you gotta make, first of all, you can't restrict anybody. Don't don't do that again. But if you feel like you're worried about, well, what the confrontation, do better. Do better. Govern better. And then you won't have to worry about that. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast, A Moment with Eric Fleming. If you are not a subscriber, please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe now. We would love to have you join the A Moment with Eric Fleming family.